Which, by the way, can I just make an, a quick aside? I did look up whether or not you can marry your first cousin in the UK, and you, in fact, can. Which makes total sense, because how else would the royal families be able to intermarry all, all the time? Mm. You know? Now we know. Yeah, so UK is the Arkansas of uh, <laughs> Europe. Welcome back to Human Reaction, your weekly source for independent commentary on news, culture, and politics, where it is always our mission to arm you with the tools you need to cut through media misdirection and resist the mono-narrative. Please do like and subscribe to our channel wherever it is that you are, and note that we cover a variety of topics, so use the chapter marks below to find the subject that you are most interested in. So uh, last week, YouTube offered us our first shot at a content strike, which we appealed. But because of that, the last episode came out a few days late. We apologize, but just know we're out here fighting the good fight against internet censorship. We will not let YouTube win. Additionally, YouTube is very picky about what words you can say or not. And as we get into our top story today, particularly pertaining to the recent allegations against Russell Brand, we're going to have to speak like idiots to avoid being censored on the platform. And because of all this BS around YouTube, we're going to begin shifting our focus to growing on YouTube's main competitor, Rumble. And we encourage you to do the same, to intentionally reduce the amount of time and attention you give to a company that is quick to attempt to silence voices it disagrees with. We will continue publishing on YouTube until we get the axe. So if, there's, uh, if we ever go radio silent there, you'll know where to find us. Here to tiptoe around the stupid YouTube censors and talk about things we shouldn't is the bald, white, cisgendered male, David Rand. How are you, sir? Accurate description. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not my own. It's a society's description of you. Yeah, that's, that's all right. you are. That's all it's you'll just, ever be. It's just this, uh, this husk, this uh, mortal shell, if you will, yes. that is me. But it's not me. I'm something more than that, I'd like to think. I'm a special snowflake underneath. You're a spiritual being having a human experience <laughs> or a physical experience, whatever they say. The consciousness of the universe looking back at itself. Wow. That's so profound. <laughs> you awakening your wonder. You awakening wonder. <laughs> and favored Kremlin propagandist and puppet of Putin, Kyle Mack. How are oh, you, sir? I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> I don't mind that title. That's great. I got to sneak up on you sometimes with one of those. Yeah, I, I was. I, I saw you like mischievously typing up something. Like, how am I going to introduce these guys? And I was like, oh, where, where's Joe going with this? Oh, no. That's like the biggest power he has in the in the podcast is surprising us with our description. I got to play my role faithfully, okay? That's all I can do. <laughs> I like it. My name's Joe Sheehan, content producer and nothing else because I get to write my own intro and I don't have to call myself anything I don't want to. So uh, this week, renowned actor, freedom fighter, and online personality, Russell Brand, was accused of some sexual impropriety, which we are going to get into, as I alluded to in the intro. But first, my friend David here is going to offer you a thoughtfully crafted disclaimer about how we're going to approach this. <laughs> thoughtfully crafted probably isn't the right word. So <laughs> we're three dudes just trying to articulate the truth here. That's it. So we may misstep. We're going to try to say things as careful as we can. Obviously, up front, we want to make the absolute clear and obvious statement, but people are going to use and oftentimes in our culture, take things out of context in order to make someone look bad. So up front, every human being on this planet has the right to bodily autonomy. That's why jabs forced by the point of government are bad and that's why rape is bad for the same reason of consent and your use of being able to use your body the way you want to be used and like that 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 part of you that partners with another person in the act of sex you know is destroyed by this thing 
grape, which is what uh, Russell Brand has been accused of. So that said, we, we want to make sure that this is like this is articulated in a way that says we're going to a lot of people are just avoiding the actual what's going on here. Like we're the, the, a lot of the commentators are just saying, oh, this is just an example of the Matrix coming after Russell Brand. And they don't actually talk about the accusations at all. And I, what I hope that we can maybe do is give you some insight into kind of tactics that are being used to do this whole thing, uh, to drag his name through the mud, because we believe that everyone has the innate like cultural value of being innocent until proven guilty, that it's not just a legal process theory, but rather that that's how we should treat people because truth is difficult to know and people's motivations can sometimes be corrupt even as they cast themselves as the victim. Can I jump in here really quick, David? Mm -hmm. Because I I just want to make sure people know before we do get into the topic here too much and start dissecting this. If if you're wondering like, wait, Russell Brand, like you're talking about the guy from forgetting Sarah Marshall and and that sort of thing. Like, why is this guy important? Like Russell Brand has has kind of experienced an epiphany, like a a change throughout his life, not just personally, but professionally. And, And he's become like a really important broadcaster an important voice for freedom for uh human rights and and you know the dignity of all people and like trying to wake people up to some of the problems that are going on in government and society and he's become a huge youtube personality he has like millions of i think it's like six million followers on youtube now so you know for youtube to as a result of these allegations without any any yet proof of these allegations cut him off completely is them depriving him of a significant amount of revenue and a significant voice that he has in, in sort of this conversation that we are also engaged in. So I just want to make sure that for the folks who might not be following him on YouTube or elsewhere, uh, Rumble, which he has made his primary platform um, for quite a while, that is the significance of Russell Brand and perhaps one of the motivations for YouTube to actually try to be uh, censoring him in this way. And ultimately, this is a big story, right? This is a big story because of Russell Brand's influence, because of what he said and his uh, reputation uh, is one of the motivations, potentially, for doing this thing in the first place, of of, of bringing up all of this um, content, some of which is very, very serious, and some of which is obviously silly. Uh, So we can dig into that. Let's actually start it out by just going through the the charges real quick. Um, uh, The Times and Channel 4 uh, have brought up uh, four sexual misconduct charges, like accusations, not charges. Nothing's been gone to the courts at all. I want to make that absolutely clear. None of this is court processes. This is all trial by media, including rape, right? Two cases of rape. and Um, Excuse me, grape. So, oh, geez, I did it. <laughs> grape. That is my problem. Can I, you believe YouTube actually will accept grape, but not the other one? Yeah, well, whatever. So, uh, grape, sexual assault, abusive and controlling and predatory behavior, including grooming a grown-ass adult. So, uh, Russell Brand issues like this uh, immediate response on hearing of these allegations. Hello there, you Awakening Wonders. Now, this isn't the usual type of video we make on this channel where we critique, attack, and undermine the news in all its corruption, because in this story, I am the news. I've received two extremely disturbing letters, or a letter and an email, one from a mainstream media TV company, one from a newspaper listing a litany of extremely egregious and aggressive attacks, as well as some pretty stupid stuff, like uh, my community festival should be stopped, that I shouldn't be able 
able to attack mainstream media narratives on this channel. But amidst this litany of astonishing, rather baroque attacks, are some very serious allegations that I absolutely refute. These allegations pertain to the time when I was working in the mainstream, when I was in the newspapers all the time, when I was in the movies, and as I've written about extensively in my books, I was very, very promiscuous. Now, during that time of promiscuity, the relationships I had were absolutely always consensual. I was always transparent about that then, almost too transparent, and I'm being transparent about it now as well. And to see that transparency metastasized into something criminal that I absolutely deny makes me question is there another agenda at play? Particularly when we've seen coordinated media attacks before, like with Joe Rogan, when he dared to take a medicine that the mainstream media didn't approve of, and we saw a spate of headlines from media outlets across the world using the same language. I'm aware that you guys have been saying in the comments for a while, watch out Russell, they're coming for you, you're getting too close to the truth, Russell Brand did not kill himself. I know that a year ago there was a spate of articles, Russell Brand's a conspiracy theorist, Russell Brand's right wing. I'm aware of news media making phone calls, sending letters to people I know, for ages and ages, it's been clear to me, or at least it feels to me like there's a serious and concerted agenda to control these kind of spaces and these kind of voices. And I mean my voice along with your voice. I don't mind them using my books and my stand up to talk about my promiscuous consensual conduct in the past. What I seriously refute are these very, very serious criminal allegations. Also, it's worth mentioning that there are witnesses whose evidence directly contradicts the narratives that these two mainstream media outlets are trying to construct, apparently in what seems to me to be a coordinated attack. Now, I don't want to get into this any further because of the serious nature of the allegations, but I feel like I'm being attacked and plainly they are working very closely together. We are obviously going to look into this matter because it's very, very serious. In the meantime, I want you to stay close, stay awake, but more important than any of that, if you can, please stay free. I don't understand his hands. That's always bothered me about it. Like he's always talking like this to the camera. Like, I, I, I think like it's his way of keeping your thing. attention, <sighs> keeping you focused, I, I, keeping you in it. Yeah, I think it's actually right. kind of smart. Yeah. You yeah. kind of like, well, in this case, we're just focused. swatting the flies. Taking, that taking, yeah. Right. We studio just, today. This, this, this is what the hands are for now. All right. Which, anyway. <laughs> so at some points. Okay. So dispatches, which is a production company put out a 90 minute, basically documentary on this whole accusation. These four different accusers. I have some particular notes about it that I want to dig into because I think it brings up some very important discussion topics and I'm going to pose it to you guys and we can debate them as we go. Um, Before we get into that, I I do want to say about this video right here of, I think that this was very smart PR on Russell Brand's part. He Mm. got out ahead of it. It was before the allegations really like surfaced and he got in very early in on this. Mm. And at this point in time, I think that video across major platforms, at least that I've seen has about a hundred million views. Um, which I think goes to show where we're at on the media landscape right now of, you know, back in the day, you'd be able to just, you know, these media companies would just come out. This is what happened. But there's somebody with like a platform that can actually come out and fight against it, regardless of these things are true or false or not. It's just it, it's interesting right. from that. Perspective. And, that and that's that's also why it's so important to take some people off of media so they can't. Right. <laughs> and that, that just demonetizing is an interesting tactic. Right. Because they can't. It's a lot harder to de- do that unless there's some kind of actual court filing. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting. I would wonder what the viewership of the two outlets that that 
publish this, you know, these allegations is compared to Russell Brand's audience mm-hmm. or the, you know, the number of views he's gotten yeah. on his versus the views on theirs. It might be more broadly, you know, seen that, that he's actually defending himself. Yeah. The, uh, the model is different, right? You have the legacy model that is channel four of a, you know, cable, you know, broadcast news and programming. And then you have YouTube. I was much more easily able to find Russell Brand's defense than I was able to find the actual documentary and get a hold of it and actually watch it. Yeah. It took me a lot longer in a VPN to get to that documentary. Yeah, no, you, you had to be in. Yeah. You had to be in Britain for it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Really? You, yeah. You had to. There was just like a ten-minute clip if you weren't, but if you were in Britain, you could watch the full thing. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so you had to have a VPN to actually watch it. So it this, very weird. These, these attacks then are, are they targeted towards the British audience to try to diminish his credibility in Britain specifically? I think it's just a money grab. Yeah. People love, I, I think, I think they it's obviously a couple motivations simultaneously, right? It's a money grab. A lot of people are going to tune in because Russell Brand's such a huge name, especially in Britain. And then two, it's the, it's the politics, right? What he represents is a big part of the motive for, I think both the press and for the accusers. The fact that he's their competition, he's saying things they don't want him to say. They want to knock him down a peg. They want to, mm-hmm. they want to, check him a little bit yeah and yeah. We, we'll, we'll get into kind of why i think exactly the accuser's motivation but i think for mm-hmm. the press it's pretty clear i mean he's a direct competitor to channel four now and additionally to that he's literally makes his brand about how they lie yeah and you he know. does a really good job and he's hilarious if you don't watch his content it's definitely worth doing I mean, he's, he's really funny so the overall impression here is this is a very heavily edited um, despite using actors to portray the victims. Now, let's be clear here. You never see a victim. Mm-hmm. All you see is actors portraying victims. In the docuseries. Yeah. Or the documentary. Yeah, So, mm-hmm. which is very strange. You don't really get to see the authenticity of the victim or be able to judge who they are as someone who's making this claim. Unlike, for example, the President Obama thing, which we covered, where you had the person who's actually making the accusation being the one delivering the message. This one, you have this filter mechanism of very cinemagraphic, very emotional music and lighting, and uh, of course, actors pretending to be the actual victims. Now, one of the other, I think, major debate things I think we should have as a social, as a society, is one that has been debated a lot. What is the role of comedy when thinking about issues like this? For example, a major part of the evidence that they have for the character assassination of Brand is this very risque, sexual, you know, and forgive me, if you have kids, like this is not the episode to listen with kids around because we're going to be talking about a lot of (laughs) inappropriate stuff. Uh, Sexual jokes, right, about sexual acts i'm not sure what i can say on youtube <laughs> so i'm just gonna I, I leave it, it there don't worry about yeah, it yeah i know i'm trying to i'm trying to do we need that audience man of the nah, normies we don't so, need them um, I mean, we need you guys just not youtube <laughs> so is this more criminalization of comedy or is this an unintended side effect if you use a guy who's saying this is i i like this particular sexual act and you know as a joke it gets all kinds of laughs all kinds of people know he's joking and they say but he actually did that at this case according to this woman who says so with no material evidence besides that woman's word. Is that criminalizing comedy? Like, can, what are, is that a secondary order effect? Well, can you even call it her word if, if you know, this is coming from this documentary where you don't actually even see or hear her say it? Where, what are, the, where are these reports otherwise? Are you just got to trust dispatches that they're telling you the truth that this is an actual person. So these haven't been complaints filed with any sort of like legal, like no. police authorities in Britain. No, no, and the important thing is the journalists went and found them. Like, 
So these journalists sought yeah. out people to make claims against Russell Which Brand. is often how these things go with these like targeted hit pieces. But these on, haven't on, been on, filed. On the Me Too allegations. It's often how it goes. And, but they haven't been filed with police anywhere. No. no. So there's Not one woman who did have a, uh, they call it a rape kit done on her afterwards. There is material evidence of that, but it's all redacted except for a very small section. Now, this is the interesting part there, but we can get to it in a second. Yeah. So there is some material evidence and there's some circumstantial evidence. And I want to actually get into those because I think they're very, if you watch it or if you're aware of it, I think it, it kind of. Once you dig into it, you with any amount of skepticism, it raises the veil on what there are, and it demonstrates how this is maybe not what it seems to be. At least gives you a good question for it. So, but first, like, should a comedian be able to make risque jokes without having that risque joke be used as evidence against them in an accusation like this? Well, absolutely. I mean, I think anyone other than the most woke anti-comedy anti-humor anti-fun person ever would say of course there is is a strange phenomenon of like people who like take something that's a joke obviously a joke and they'd be like yeah like that's the wrong sort of thing like it's the wrong thing and then use that as evidence for you being a bad person yeah when like the purpose of the joke is to transgress in order to create a humorous moment in order to make someone laugh right right so it's it's a it's a strange thing that we've lost. It's a podcast talk about this way too much, but this is another era of that because a major part of the material evidence is this accusation that he was doing these, these, these nasty things and then making a joke about it. And so that made it so that you couldn't accuse him of doing something wrong, which is not good logic, right? Because there's a difference between being kinky and rape and they, and they constantly, navigate the line throughout the documentary between consent and influence, right? Him being charismatic and famous and wealthy and sexual and women liking that and getting with them. There's an entire section of the documentary where they basically say he used to give out his number after work to go to audience members who came to the show Mm -hmm. and then they would have sex with him. And then afterwards they'd call the show to complain that he didn't like settle down with them. Like become their boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, and they use that as some kind of evidence of him being a bad, like a, like a, a sexual deviant when he was doing this on channel four, using their platform to become famous at the same time. Like, it, and I mean, they were celebrating it. He was a shagger of the year for six years. These same <laughs> really? press people yeah, all celebrated this lifestyle he was in, all encouraged it. And then, and then, obviously some of these things would be the exception of that, right? We're not talking about the rape right now. We're just talking about some of the other accusations that they use around the, the grape charge to, to buttress it, to make it seem like a, to reinforce the character assassination of it. Well, most of these are, you know, grown adults come to a show. Have you ever been to a rock concert before? And, you know, hook up with the rock, Member, they're right? called they're called groupies. Yeah, they have a long-standing tradition inside of the entertainment industry, right? And uh, yeah, obviously that's. I mean, all the chicks in the front row. You think they're standing up there thinking, "Gosh, he's just so he's so good at singing," or you know, he's so good at comedy in Russell's case, right? I, but I respect him so much, and I would never want to actually like engage with anything with that like really attractive, really funny guy on. You think really? that's the puritanical moment we're in like <laughs> yeah, right. well, he's you know he's obviously the rocker archetype and he's probably he's probably slept with a thousand women right 
probably he's the Mick Jagger of our time easily like after every single show probably a new woman right through most of his career during this time and and now we have four women that have come out which let's say let's say the number is a thousand that's 0.4 percent of people accusing him of misconduct here like it's the numbers like there's 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 certain statistical yeah (laughs) elements here right but but to raise the question around like you know I, i would ask you guys what is your how would you interpret the idea that he has this influence um which is not to be diminished he should he does have influence right he's he's a wealthy funny attractive guy what responsibility does a woman have in accepting an invitation to go backstage or go to the tour bus or whatever it is with him what responsibility does she have for her own actions in this regard with someone with this influence how do we navigate that yeah what what i often think of is like what can i say in that moment that doesn't take away from her like sovereign individual right of choice yeah right if you say anything other than well of course she's a grown adult and can do what she wants to do how how am i how am i principally and consistently standing up for women if i don't say that right right or or any individual to be who is an adult and able to completely make decisions voluntarily with other adults to be able to do things I, i just can't I can't imagine that. Now, now don't get me wrong. Like there's like a grossness to, um, uh, that, that people will often trigger onto, uh, men who manipulate right women in, in that way. Uh, but we also have to be sure to raise our daughters with a sense of skepticism of the nature of men and women and sex and the incentives that are applied there so that, you know, they're not overly naive. And if you have a generation of overly naive women, who can't appreciate that there's men out there who are willing to lie to them in order to get sex. Um, that's a problem, right? And, 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 and guys should tell the truth and you should be honest and upfront and all those things. But women, much like in the, in the defense world, right? Women shouldn't ever have to defend themselves from men. But the reality is there are some men who are willing to commit violence against them. So should they should think about that and be careful about that and know where they are and, carry a firearm if that's appropriate you know things like that so that's 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 the trick i mean and and, but none of these cases are the kind of cases where you would be able to you know very clearly point to material evidence except for one which is the 2012 nadia case right so that and that's this is very different from just that this is this is uh a regular girlfriend in 2012 someone that had been with them for some time uh that they had sex with condoms and that was her insistence uh and then Apparently something happened and she accuses it of rape that happened without a condom. Um, I'm sure I'm guessing from his side, if I was his defense lawyer would say, no, it was consensual sex and without a condom. And there was a disagreement there because the only real evidence they have that it happened at all, uh, despite the fact that there was someone else at the house at the time was uh, a text message afterwards where he apologized for things getting weird. And it would be, if you read it, especially with the redacted information that we have, both from that and the afterwards, like contraceptive rape kit thing, uh, is it isn't clear whether or not to me, as I'm reading it, I'm trying to give it the best faith effort I can, um, whether or not this was either a situation where, you know, a conflict happened and rape happened, that's possible, or there was sex that happened without a condom that she wanted to have a condom, but there was like some deception there. In Sweden, for example, that's considered rape, right? That's what happened to Julian Assange, where he was having sex with girls who wanted to use a condom, but he didn't want to. And then, yada, yada, that cascaded into a rape accusation from two different women. 
This case was actually very, very similar to that, where there was a dispute about condoms and there's that. That could be what happened. She says it actually goes way farther than that, like a violent, you know, situation went down. Um, but we don't have any material evidence of that violent situation. All we have is text message. And then afterwards she got contraceptives from a clinic and then decided not to press any charges. So like, and that's the thing is that there's been no charges presented at all throughout all these things. Um, that there, there is a good question of like, Hey, our social order should make it so that if a woman is raped, they should feel absolutely safe to go to, you know, police and say this, no matter absolutely. how wealthy the guy is. And, and that's the thing that I don't, I don't really understand. Like, if he's wealthy, what did they think? Did he buy off the police? I don't really understand. And I can't imagine the trauma of it. Like, oh, so yeah. if, that's, yeah. if, that's, if it's just like, I just didn't have it together. But if he didn't have it together, and like, I can't, I can't as a third-party observer tell the difference between you saying that and you lying, I'm put in the situation where I have to now judge your authenticity, right? Because I can't just, I can't just believe you, right? Because he has a right to the presumption of innocence too. And the evidence you have is circumstantial. It's stronger evidence than any of the other accusers, but it's still circumstantial. Yeah. Um, it's and, a, it's and, a very difficult situation yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, I, well, actually, I don't remember what I was going to say. You, you go ahead. Well, so the, now the claim from the rape accusers that, that they didn't go to the police because they're scared. They didn't, quote, want to go through with that, right? And so they made that personal decision. The question is, is do they then give up, the, give up the right to be able to accuse someone of something so heinous? That's a good question, right? Should, someone, should we as a culture tolerate someone saying, I didn't go through the process that's designed for this. I didn't go through the process that, that would actually have allow him to face his accuser, have cross-examination, have an adversarial process, have all the evidence or none of the evidence. So the problem here is that they give some of the evidence, but they redact a whole bunch of it. So you don't know what was in there, right? As uh, if you're watching the documentary. So they do this trial by documentary with none of the processes you would have in a, in a regular court case. So she didn't decide to do that. She's decided to do this, but this way gives her a anonymity. Remember, she never has to talk. Anonymity. Anonymity. <laughs> yeah, blah, 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 blah. Um, and she, so she never, she, she gets that benefit while he gets no ability to defend himself. Right. That's what's kind of, that's at least that's to the degree of which if this is false, it's a heck of a crime to do it that way. Right. Because, you basically have a situation where he's being like a text message that's misinterpreted is used without any other of the processes that we would use to determine truth. Like, I mean, capital T, this happened or not truth. Right. And that's why it's so hard. It's such a difficult issue. So this was the most convincing of these accusations. Yeah. And, and what they do because is they sandwich messages. They, yeah. Like they the sandwich thing, right? the two. There's one other rape accusation. Grape accusation. I said we, it with the cheese the first We can time. just drop it. Uh, we tried. I tried. I'm going to have to go in and mute every single <laughs> like, That's not happening. That's not happening. <laughs> There's one other Suck accusation it, that, um, that is like sandwiched between these like not as solid accusations. Um, there's the, the initial one that they start out with, and then they have a whole bunch of ones in between that are really quite weak, in my opinion, and then they end with another one that has three reported witnesses that you never meet, don't know who they are, and they never talk publicly about it. But the dispatcher just says, we talked to them, trust me, and they're going to do that. Now, I do want to note, the anonymous witness thing is fine if you have good reputation, but when you look at Channel 4's relationship to Russell Brand, yeah, it looks like a hit job, right? Now... 
is Seymour Hirsch comes out and says, hey, I talked to some high-level CIA guys and the Nord Stream 2 pipeline was blown up by Joe Biden. And everyone goes, well, it's all anonymous sourcing. It's because it's all anonymous sources. How could you possibly believe this Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist would use anonymous sources and not name his sources? This entire thing is based upon anonymous sourcing of both the accusers, the accusers are anonymous, and the witnesses. Not, now, that's like, not very strong. In that, but Matt, with almost no skepticism whatsoever by YouTube. Or anybody like that's 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 also kind of crazy. Like the 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 epistemology of what we're doing here of like, is this true or not? Everyone's avoiding. Right. Because it has the R word that I'm going to say grape to. Right. <laughs> you know, that that issue is so red hot and sensitive. Right. You know, people just want to say like, well, it's just the machine attacking or whatever. But meanwhile, there's all these issues like. For example, one of the people in here, one of the his girlfriends, long like a long-term girlfriend, like not just a one-night stand sort of thing, a long-term girlfriend that he had where he met the parents is a 16-year-old, right? So they use that in the documentary as evidence that he's a, a creepy guy. And don't get me wrong, I think that's weird, right? I but, then, that. but then there's the added element of that's legal in Yeah. <laughs> that's Britain, legal there. The Arkansas of Europe, right? <laughs> right? It's just like, <laughs> what do you... Like age of consent is 16. And it's now. still 16. And man. not in the sense, it's not the Arkansas of Europe in the sense that you can marry your cousin though, right? I don't know about that. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. That I don't up? know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Look that up, Jamie. Don't really even want to know. I don't really know. I don't care that much, but it is, it is strange that I'm not looking that up. <laughs> <laughs> can you marry your cousin in the UK? And yet they still call it grooming, right? And so then it raises a large question on two fronts, one with a 16-year-old, and then another, they call it grooming again with a woman who's in her early 20s who had a relationship with him. And because he's a 30-something-year-old wealthy person dating a non-wealthy 20-something-year-old, or this case, legal 16-year-old, is it still grooming? That's a very open, think, cultural question. When is it grooming and when is it not? Right. It seems to me that I thought we were using the word to mean children. Yeah, like right. starting the Pedophiles. relationship before age of consent and right. grooming them to the point to where they are of age of consent. Like right. That's traditionally what the word has meant, right? Right. And that's why that's why I can't I can't grasp that use of that word, especially when it wasn't like it was a candid interview. It was a written interview that they had an actor perform. <laughs> like, like, why use that word? Unless what you're trying to do is trigger the audience into thinking he's a pedo. Well, that's really interesting too, though, because in a lot of the other uses of the word grooming in contemporary culture, that word is very much sort of frowned upon and dismissed and sort of, you know, tried to, to be, you know, pushed to the side or, or not applied to the use of uh, surrounding pedophiles, right? Mm -hmm. there, there's all this normalization of pedophilia and trying to call them minor attracted persons. And anytime you call a person like that a groomer, you get met with all this backlash. So the fact that it's being used in this case is sort of playing into this idea that there's this, you know, accuse your, your opponent or your enemy of what you yourself are doing kind of mentality, right. which is interesting. Well, it's, it's, it's a magic word phenomenon, right? Where it is. It's used to kind of trigger something into people. And, and I mean, the grape word is, is the same thing as like grape has a very wide spectrum that we've now allowed to be part of it anywhere from like a knife to the throat and like forcibly, you know, versus like, like a two. one night stand went home at the bar, got drunk. And now I feel bad about it the right. next day. Right? right. Like it's, it's a wide range of things that now encompass that, but it's a, it's a scary word. Right. It's true. So it becomes a more of the blurring happens here when they get into this, his personal assistant, his personal assistant is hired on 
And then they start out by describing her work relationship with him. And it's all this positivity. But then they describe this very, very, very strange thing where she was close to him and he liked her. So other like the upper echelon, rather than go to him to deliver bad news, would go to her to have her deliver the bad news to him. And they spent like 10 minutes on this. And I'm like, what does this have to do with anything? Why are you bringing this up? Hmm. And they used it as like, it was like this strange, like way to backdoor, like something strange was going on. Now, don't get me wrong. It then goes very work inappropriate. Like she accuses him at work of like whipping it out. And basically saying, hey, what do you think? Not a thing you should do in the workplace, fellas. Yeah, nothing. But she acts like it was out of the blue, right? Of course. And then she goes on to have like an eight month relationship with him outside of works that's sexual still not a thing you should do in the workplace yes, it's still a wrong thing to do <laughs> but sorry. she consented to that right i mean like he read the room and then said this chick's into me and then whipped it out and then they had a relationship after that if i was now, to, if i was to guess risky what? maneuver but that's uh, you shouldn't do that at the workplace don't get me wrong i'm not saying that but i'm just saying she then went on to have a relationship with him this isn't the actions this isn't a, a rape accusation here this is a very different he had a workplace romance thing one time Right. I mean, like that's, that's not illegal. It's, there's a certain thing. And I think this is part of the general progressive ethos of in their moral framework of, I I think they're trying to attribute it to kind of like a lover boy thing of like manipulation tactics of like, he's kind of like giving it out to her and then kind of manipulating her to do tasks for him and things like that. Um, I I think that's where they're trying to go, which is similar to the Andrew Tate phenomenon. Mm. You end up having that, you correlate that there of like what is happening here. It's like using the power dynamic of him being in this position of privilege and kind of manipulating women that are under them who apparently don't have their own agency in these things because they're, they're weak compared to him being this white guy at the top with all this power. Right. Like that's, that's the framing that they're trying to attribute with, uh, with this dynamic, I think, even though, like you said, nothing's illegal, right? And the grown woman mm-hmm. in this park claims to be groomed. Yeah. Right. Where you're like, I, I don't, I don't think you get to use that word because that's the word where you reserve for people who can't make up their, can't make fully functioning decisions. You know, um, they, they complain in this section a lot about him, you know, talking to girls after work, but then they never beg the question, like what the heck was the company supposed to do? Tell him he can't talk to women after they're done shooting. Like, what are they supposed to do? And they like, they have this whole begging thing, begging the question of, um, you know, that, that he signed the contract to work for channel four, the company that is now like broadcasting this. Uh, and in that contract, it basically said he wouldn't create a bad work environment. And then he got into a relationship with his personal assistant, right? That's a violation of the contract. Sure. Got it. Okay. But it isn't the same as accusing him of grape. Right. And like to have those things just mashed together in the same sort of thing is it kind of it kind of tries it kind of highlights the character assassination nature of it. For sure. Right. And it kind of says like this isn't this isn't a serious effort to get at the truth because the truth can't be known. What it is is an attack on a on a guy. And then they admit it, right? The at the very end, from one of the accusers, it reads out like this. And you see like the montage of him now being healthy and all that kind of stuff. They actually play his responsibility that we just played at the very end right mm-hmm. uh and, and it's like the cover of them being not biased right but they never give an actual account of any uh, uh contravening information or witnesses or whatever and then on top of that you have all the hidden nature of the whole thing but they say this quote 
I see him online and it triggers me. It hurts me. Now he is a wholesome family man and the king of wellness. He did wrong things. And this is the most important part. Most important part. It's almost as if there's no retribution for that. And the question you have to ask, if you watch the thing, you watch the thing with some skepticism, is, is that what you're doing? Is this whole thing retribution? And retribution for what? Right? If he did these wrong things, that's, I, can't, I get it. Like, it's, it's got to be, I mean, there's a, there's a catch-22 there. If this actually happened, right, and one of these two women he actually did rape, and they didn't go to the police at the time because they were scared, what to do with that, right? What should they do? I don't know. I, I don't know what they should do, but I, but I would guess that at least a part of the public has to be willing to say, has to have the adult conversation of, we can't necessarily believe you without any physical evidence or, or corroborating evidence that is substantial, more substantial than a text message or three witnesses whom we have no idea who we are, can't cross witness, or even like they told me one time that they felt bad about not doing something about it isn't sufficient evidence. So you're going to ruin this guy's life over something that we could never pass through court. Maybe we should back off on taking away his money or taking away his right to be part of civil society based upon that accusation. Yeah. I I mean, I think that's valid. And and again, like this is a really, really difficult scenario because the truth can't be known. As you said, you know, it, it is one person's word against another person's word. And of course I can imagine I can, I can put myself in her position. If this went down in the way that, that she claims it did to want to have some kind of justice for, having gone through that experience, that trauma at a certain point, like for, for lots of people, right? Justice isn't always able to be served for whatever reason or another. And bad people do get away with doing bad things. Also good people do bad things sometimes. And I don't think that it's necessarily the right thing to look at this as, Oh, well he he got away with it. He should be punished retroactively. Can there ever be some sort of, um, justice in the fact that a person realizes at a point in their life i did the wrong thing and works to change their life to become a better person Mm -hmm. and to try to impact the world in a more meaningful and positive way Mm -hmm. not to say that that absolves them of the wrongdoing it certainly doesn't and if it can be proven that there was wrongdoing then that should be adequately addressed but in this case it can't be so what responsibility is there amongst both parties here to figure out a way to make spiritual justice occur to, to derive some sort of personal transcendence of this trauma in whatever way that takes place and move forward. Mm. Right. Because in the end, just, just, just punishing him isn't going to actually make her whole. You know what I mean? Right. Well, that's, that's what they seem to highlight at the end that the purpose of this whole thing is, is to punish him with the accusation they can't prove. And, and there's, there's like a grossness to that, right? There's like a, this is a real human being's life. Now he's a wealthy individual. He, he'll probably survive this, all that kind of stuff. But that doesn't mean it's not doing more injustice to do that. Now, here's a philosophical concept. In so, the social order, it's really important we have justice, right? If you something goes wrong, we get to that just injustice and we make it recompense and we make people whole. But in your personal life, in your life as an individual, may I recommend, and I'm not talking about the rape victims here as much. Grape. 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 It's, it's too late. It's out yeah. of the, far too late. Uh, is, is the, you know, if, if you have a lot of anxiety about a relationship you had in the past that didn't work out the way you wanted it to, is to seek first peace 
and then second justice. What I mean by that is just this simple mental model, and this I think is true almost universally, that the goal to any activity that you move forward with in your life is to seek first peace, then justice in this sense. It is more important to create social order and harmony going forward than to punish people for things they did in the past. That doesn't mean we should never punish people, but we want to say that that it's a secondary order effect. We want to, as because punishing people discourages future behavior, right? But in that future behavior, the goal is peace where that doesn't happen anymore. And so like the cycle of violence that we see in the Hatfield McCoys or the, um, what's the two families in um, Shakespeare, Shakespeare. Uh, oh man. The, we are so uneducated. Oh no, I've got it. It's, it's, it's been guy. so long in Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the Montagues and Capulets. the, and the yeah. Capulets. Yeah. See, yeah. I didn't have Montague, but I had Capulets. We'll do, with the, had we'll do the American yeah. version, the sharks and the rockets. <laughs> yeah. Jets? Jets. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember. It's we got rockets on the brain. Thanks, Elon. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> Thanks Ukraine. So that, like, that process of continual violence, the only way to disrupt that is to have, is to place justice below peace. And that's like a fundamental insight into like, what is the aim of your social order, your individual within the social organism to move forward in a way that makes things better. Not that makes you feel better, but makes things actually tangibly better because revenge feels better, but peace should be the aim. Um, And I'm not using this to preach at the people who might feel bad from this. All I'm saying is consider that as a rubric for that. If you are a small business owner looking for exponential growth, you have to connect with Adam Thune at Intellectual Patriots. He will revolutionize your business game and help you get to the next level. Adam can streamline your business practices and advertising strategies to improve your bottom line. His expertise in data engineering means he can build you the systems you need to collect and analyze market data. His mission is to provide you with invaluable insights to fuel your success. From grant writing and business proposals to digital systems integrations, even AI management, Intellectual Patriots is a one-stop shop for cutting-edge solutions. Don't wait another second. Visit intelpatriots.com to learn more. That's I-N-T-E-L patriots.com. Anyways, so going beyond that, Channel 4 role, this is this thing. It has a huge pushback, too. Obviously, they're accused of hypocrisy. Uh, they are now hosting, and, and this is, I think, the, the hypocrisy case is pretty solid. They are now hosting a, quote, body-positive program, which shows adults stripping nude in front of children. The same organization that put out this thing that accused him of grooming a 20-something-year-old is putting teenagers in front of grown, naked adults in order to teach them, quote, body positivity. I would love to show you a screenshot of this, but, but it would definitely take us down. <laughs> it take us down on everything. Like, it's take very it explicit. If we're putting out something on The Daily Show, obviously some rear ends are going to get us several strikes. Yeah, well, if you would like to see it and it is like grotesque and shocking like when the page came up I was like whoa like what the hell is this uh we will put it in the show notes if you would like to i don't, want to, I don't want to subject anybody to this <laughs> you can find it on the internet yeah, for yourself go find those middle-aged rumps which by yourself. the way can i just make an, a quick aside i did look up whether or not you can marry your first cousin in the uk and you in fact can which makes total sense because how else would the royal families be able to intermarry all the, all the time? Mm. You know? Now we know. Yeah. So UK is the Arkansas of uh, Europe. <laughs> Sorry, Arkansas. <laughs> Maybe it's, I don't know. If you're a razor bag, state. Are bad. Anyways. Yeah. So we did also put out this gem, this wonderful video uh, from a climate activist uh, that we want to show you here that perfectly articulates like these guys are over here 
standing on their high horse saying, oh, we got to we got to reassess the past. We have to make sure we understand how our actions in the past when we got obsessed with sex and our culture back in the mid 2000s that we never make that mistake again. Well, they're making a new mistake now. Check it out. It's time to make up my own mind and decide if I think it's time to break the law. What are we going to do about it? An overwhelming number of people recognize that we are in danger. They fear for their own lives, their children, frightened for the future of life on Earth. No government, no major political party has ever significantly addressed the issue. They haven't been listening to us, the climate activists. Now, I'm not asking for anyone to break the law. There are so many lawful ways to get involved. Raise your voice. Post a poster, sign a petition, a banner, go on a march, lobby your local MP. However, for me, myself, when significant and obvious danger. So, but I've got to raise my voice. If you're an activist that's already made a decision that yes, you're going to break the law, so long as no one is hurt and there's no lasting environmental damage, then you'll have my support. And personally, I think I've reached a point where I now consider it the ethically responsible thing to do. Okay, so first let's make fun of it and then let's diagnose it. Okay, okay let's just put, let's put some ground rules there. <laughs> okay, okay, let me go, let me go first. A lot of face touching. Let me let me go first. <laughs> I now think it's time to break the law. I'm done paying taxes. <laughs> All right, Kyle, you're up. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if there's anything that can be said after that. I mean, remarkable. Thank you. Display. I'm a thespian. Um, <laughs> I, 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 this, this is very, this is very important of just the general philosophy here. Like it's a very utilitarian look at how to handle these things is what is important for the greater good. And that's what a lot of these people take is it doesn't matter how much you have to lie, steal, kill, whatever you have to do. There is a grander goal and a grander purpose that we have to be moving towards. And so like if, you know, in this, this example is climate change is the big catastrophe that's going to destroy us all, blah, blah, blah. We need to lie, and I think that he would even go for it, but this, that would not be kosher for a video like this, is do whatever it takes for this grand goal that we're trying to push for, right? Uh, you went right past the I making know, fun dude. part. You got all serious on me, Kyle. I but had another was, joke. Oh, joke I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. We're in the joke phase. All, all right, right, so the joke, joke phase. sandwich. Joke sandwich. So, okay, this won't make sense if you haven't ever been at a shoot before. But there's, I, I have this picture while I'm watching that that it's like it's dead silent in the field, and the director's just like, "All right, you're thinking about climate change." Passive. Like, Touch your face <laughs> a little differently now. Turn your head to the left, 45 degrees down. Now look dead at the camera. Yep. It, that whole moment is like this awkward moment where they're they're filming this and they're putting the dramatic music behind. They're doing all this effort just to make the case of should we break the law for climate change? This is funded by taxpayers. <laughs> this is funded by taxation. And they're like, should we break the law in order to get climate change? Like you are paying for that in Britain. 
that's crazy. That's crazy talk, right? That they are simultaneously taking those taxpayer dollars and then also making this case for breaking the law for climate change. And that's exactly why I want to break the law to not pay taxes. Because <laughs> what? Well, and like that whole don't get me wrong. There's plenty of things. Uh, ethics and law are two separate concepts. Sure, absolutely, they're right about that. The question is, is like, should you break the law in order to, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone and it doesn't hurt the climate? Great provisos. Uh, in order to, um, in order to advance your climate change agenda, I think what we're thinking about here are the people who are blocking streets so that people can't get to work on time. So right, yeah. So I guess I mean, or, or, the, the, or ruining paintings, like major paintings of the Western tradition, throwing soup on them or something yeah, like yeah. that, and saying like, "Is this ethically justified because of the danger of climate change?" Well, maybe your danger is false. What if you're wrong? Maybe the greater good isn't something that you should be aiming for. Maybe you should aim for is to lead a life of virtue and make the world a better place. These are completely different aims. Well, I don't know that you can necessarily. I mean. It, we can blame this guy all we want because he's complicit in this thing. I think the people that are gluing themselves to things and throwing soup on paintings, those people are, I think victims of propaganda, like a lifetime of propaganda. Like people in, in our generation have been living under the, the auspices of this climate emergency for literally our entire lives. Right? Like we have not known peace from this. Mm. And I mean, I, I think prior generations as well. I mean, this has been going, it's, it's been the, the world is going to burn up. The ice caps are going to melt in five years, in 10 years. And they just continually just roll it over because we always forget, right? It gets memory hold. And, and now there's a new thing to pay attention to. I do think some of these people are just literally brainwashed, yeah. right? But the, the question really is though, even if they were to break out of that, how do you derive truth about climate science because so much of it is so heavily politicized it's so polarized either you know if you raise any questions about it you're a climate denier and so on the other side of it it's like you have to believe in it otherwise you get kicked out of the tribe how do you derive truth around climate yeah i think at least there's some algorithms to go through to think about it which starts out with what can you do to make things better if you believe in climate change and things like that and then you then you work deductively from there uh, how do you promote your ideas in a way that actually gets other people to on board with your beliefs and then uh, in a way that makes things better and those things better aren't don't start with the climate and then end with human dignity rights things like that like the people that you block from seeing a piece of artwork are other individuals who have the same rights that you do and your claim on the climate emergency doesn't give you special rights that violates the equal rights that western tradition was built on no man is built with spurs on his feet. No one is born with a saddle on his back. And so that idea that you have a special right to keep everybody from going to work on time because you feel like the climate emergency is worth it is a violation of another core value that makes our civilization work. And you are vi- and by doing that, you're not getting any new adherence and you're making things worse. And then lastly, like another question, another you know, part of that question, how do we get those people to understand the truth there? I think at minimum what we're saying is like, hey, maybe it's a thing, but like, like let's not let's not make the burden of it on the backs of the poorest and deal with these problems as real problems to be addressed that's why like um oh what's his name jordan peterson's had several times he's got like the list of like the 12 things that you could do you spend a billion dollars to make the world a better place uh adam or uh, lomberg lomberg folks like that that are actually trying to solve these problems in a way that's practical that's actually addressing the core issues uh while keeping in balance other needs like the needs of the poor 
right? Because climate change is a very expensive thing to address if you're going to address it through the Democrat corporate media avenue of addressing it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I saw a, like a meme to this effect, like of, just to the, the idea that we can each do things in our own lives to positively affect this. Yeah. I'm not so sure that that's quite true because uh, there's this article from The Guardian, uh, airlines flying near empty ghost flights to retain EU airport slots. And then the, I saw it in a meme form and it was like juxtaposed with like, gosh, I'm so glad that I rinsed out that pop can to recycle it. <laughs> you know, I'm doing my part. Meanwhile, we have flights flying empty just to retain. Right. So it's like there, there are mechanisms at play in society that are just so much that contributing so much more to a, a potential problem that it's like kind of almost silly. I think at this point to think that individually we can do very much. Right. Yeah. I mean, like there's two ways to think of individually. It's like, what is the rubric for making individual decisions versus what is, what should the social order do? Two different layers of resolution. Right. Sure. And what the individual does is not hopefully just clean out their pop cans. Right. They say, Hey, I, I'm smart. So I'm going to become a nuclear engineer so I can create the next generation of nuclear power plants or, right. Or new batteries. Or if you're Dr. Whatever. Stephen Greer, of the disclosure project <laughs> you uh you work to disclose zero point energy and uh yeah. and then we we get uh you know futuristic et technology to power the entire earth with the, in, uh, enough energy that in a thimble of air <laughs> i hope that's true <laughs> <laughs> i doubt like, it <laughs> but uh, hey open we'll, to i'll it. believe it when i see it or yeah. but Will you see it when you believe it? So that's the, uh, that's think about that. One going back to the larger point, <laughs> channel four is the same people who encouraged this behavior with brand back in the early two thousands is now rolling out to say that was all a mistake and we should never have done that. We're so much smarter and wiser. Now they are currently trying to create climate anxiety amongst young people in order to get cultural change in this direction that they want. Right. So they're making the same mistake now that they made then. They're not telling them, they're not giving them a balanced view of climate change. They're creating climate panic the yes. same way they created a sex fervor in the early 2000s, uh, you know, that, that led to the rise of the very comedian they are now trying to take down now that he's the competition to them. And, you know, they can all question how our culture became so patriarchal and so terrible in the 2000s. Well, you are creating a new one that's just as incestuous, just in a different direction. That just that that is there to manipulate the public about your agenda rather than, you know, inform them with, you know, modes of thinking or evidence or things like that that actually might be helpful. Um, so something I'd like to jump into with the Russell Brand stuff, too, is this letter that was sent out to Rumble from the UK Parliament, because I think this it all kind of ties everything together and mm -hmm. you see the larger picture of how these cogs in this machine are all starting to work. So, cause Russell brand important to n note is that he's effectively been demonetized from every single platform except for, I, I, I believe every platform except for Twitter and for rumble, right? And now. TikTok too, right? I don't think he's Ma maybe, yeah. but it's China. So it's probably, it's out of the sphere, right? <laughs> you know, they sent a letter to TikTok to though. Did too. they? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, so you, you end up having here, uh, Elon has not backed down. He's he's allowing Russell to make money off of uh, Twitter, but then you also have Rumble. But uh, Chris Pavlovsky uh, from Rumble put out the letter that the UK Parliament uh, sent to them. And another important kind of contextual information, Rumble is not allowed in France right now because 
France told them that they had to restrict their content and Rumble said F you and we're just going to pull everything from France. Like, so Rumble has been pretty good on this of like when governments come at them, like they fight for their creators, which is very important. But so in this, uh, in this letter you end up having, so it's dear Chris, who's the CEO of Rumble. I am writing concerning the serious allegations regarding Russell Brand in the context of his being a content provider on Rumble with more than 1.4 million followers. And that's just on Rumble. That's not to say his other stuff, right? Uh, The culture media and sport committee, which is a committee at the UK parliament is raising questions with the broadcasters and production companies who previously employed Mr. Brand to examine both the culture of the industry in the past and whether the culture still prevails today. However, we are also looking at his use of social media, including on rumble where he issued his preemptive response to the accusations made against him by the Sunday times and channel Four's dispatches. While we recognize that rumble is not the creator of the content published by Mr. Brand, we are concerned that he may be able to profit from his content on the platform. We would grateful. We would be grateful if you could confirm whether Mr. Brand is able to monetize his content, including his videos relating to the serious accusations against him. If so, we would like to know whether Rumble intends to join YouTube in suspending Mr. Brand's ability to earn money on this platform. We would also like to know what Rumble is doing to ensure that creators are not able to use this platform to undermine the welfare of victims of inappropriate and potentially illegal behavior. Yours sincerely. Uh, Dame Caroline Dinage from the from Parliament. So what you end up having here is it's it, what I particularly found interesting was the paragraph is we would like to know whether Rumble intends to join YouTube in the suspension. It's like it, the way that it's framed. It's like it's not necessarily like we want you to do this, mm-hmm. right? It's it's not that. It's just like it's like a mafia shakedown. Yeah, it's You're like, coming are you, in. Are you going to do what? So are the, you going to do this? Everybody mm-hmm. else is doing it, right? You you, you want to follow the pack, right? Like look here, a, see. Look here, see. <laughs> there might be a fire um, in this building if you don't do something about the, all this. T- would (laughs) which is very similar to the twitter files and what we saw where there's a lot of the fbi coming forward and being like hey so this user with 500 followers like why haven't they been banned yet they put a meme that we don't like Mm -hmm. like they're not necessarily directly telling them to do it but it's but it's the implication yeah flashback to chris ray telling brett bear on that interview like we don't tell anyone to suspend accounts we just recommend or we suggest we guide yeah guide everything into the right right direction yeah the fbi makes suggestions that's right yeah um yeah so any thoughts on that it is very interesting to mix like an illegal accusation of illegality with him being a criminal right like Mm -hmm. he hasn't gone to court nothing's happened yet all he's been is accused in the press why would you then take away his his ability to earn why would that be relevant for this committee maybe all this is wrong right maybe it isn't but maybe it is so like how could you act on that assumption and saying oh well everyone should it's also strange because they're doing two things at once they're doing the shakedown but they're also saying have you addressed the inequalities of your industry channel four is the people who hosted (laughs) this dude and let all this happen in the first place and they're the ones who say this was a mistake now and so this lady comes in as a politician and says oh are you addressing the problems in your community with the time to do that was 2008 lady it's 2023 it's a different year like it is so frustrating to like to 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 watch these hypocrites point their fingers at everybody else and say, you got to get your act together. I mean, come on. Tell me how you really feel, David. Yeah, it's so crazy, right? I hate the hypocrisy. It's wild. It really is. But I mean, it's, it's a function of the landscape that they have created, right? Is the ability to shove reality of the past 
somewhere they don't want you know something they don't want they can just memory hole it right and then they can craft the narrative the way they want but that era is over because of people like russell brand of platforms uh like rumble uh you know like 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 twitter now which is allowing people you know and, and podcasts as well allowing people to really deeply vet the truth behind a situation tell other people about it so the public can actually make real informed decisions in some kind of way you know, with the exception of the fact that in some cases the facts really can't be known as, as we've right. described here. But well, yeah, so then Rumble pushes back with a scathing, scathing, wonderful refutation of this whole thing. Do you want to read it, Kyle? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just, there's two paragraphs in here that uh, I'll skip some of the first stuff, but some, Chris Pavlovsky, the CEO of Rumble, he states, just yesterday YouTube announced that based solely on these media accusations, it was barring Mr. Brand from monetizing his video content. Rumble stands for very different values. We have devoted ourselves to the vital cause of defending a free internet, meaning an internet where no one arbitrarily dictates which ideas can or cannot be heard, or which citizens may or may not be entitled to a platform. We regard it as deeply inappropriate and dangerous that the UK Parliament would attempt to control who is allowed to speak on our platform or to earn a living from doing so. Uh, singling out an individual and demanding his ban is even more disturbing, given the absence of any connection between the allegations and his content on Rumble. We don't agree with the behavior of many Rumble crea- creators, but we refuse to penalize them for actions that have nothing to do with our platform. Although it may be politically and socially easier for Rumble to join a cancel culture mob, doing so would be a violation of our company's values and mission. We empathetically reject the UK Parliament's demands. Emphatically. That emphatically yeah that is how it's done we, we understand we, we, we understand but we reject <laughs> it was like it was so hard that it was like well you know we understand but, but, we, we, but we empathize with the job it's hard yeah emphatically, right, that's a, emphatically. Much, yeah very important <laughs> yeah that's how it's done right there that's mm-hmm. how you stand up for what you believe in and i wonder well what will happen to rumble as a result of this because i imagine this won't go unchecked uh, by the powers that be right what does this mean for Rumble's ability to operate in the UK? Right? Now they've been banned in France, so we can maybe see the UK government come after them, right? Yeah, and l- let me let me get the words there correctly. They're not technically banned in France. There's certain content that the French government wanted them to take down from the site and they refused to do so. Mm. So it's not technically that they're banned. It's they're not complying, so they pulled. Which is which is strange because you would think, you know, the internet's like an open place, right? Like it's all it's the whole point, the backbone of it's supposed to be open. Wouldn't it be the responsibility of the government to censor the citizens of France, not the responsibility of Rumble to pull their content well, from France? Well, like, one, it's very strange. One of the hard, one of the hard realities about the openness of the internet is, in the early days, it was very, it was incredibly decentralized. But now it's become incredibly centralized, where all of the all of the people gather into very specific places. Mm-hmm. So it is actually quite easy to censor the the internet because, like, you can't censor the internet itself, really. Mm-hmm. But like, all the gathering places on the internet are the same, like six locations. Mm-hmm. So it's much easier for that. And there's technological improvement that's coming. And I think there's going to be a lot of innovation and new developments and to re-decentralize again. But that is the, uh, and Rumble's a part of this, right? Like the, the place for video content was YouTube for mm-hmm. a decade now. And now Rumble is like 
giving them a run for their money. Like it's still early, but it's innovating fast. Like every time I go on to rumble, like there's new features on there. There's new, like they're innovating very quickly. And I, and I, I've always been skeptical of all these new platforms that come up. Cause it's just like, uh, they'll, they'll come for a month and then they'll die off. But rumbles doing it. Like hmm. they're, they're starting, they're starting to become a real competitor here. Yeah. Well, and I think that they're encouraging a lot of people who would object to this kind of behavior, which is a large component of the people on the internet right i would say i mean at least half of the u.s would probably look at this and go i don't think that's the right the right way to approach it so i mean by censoring russell brand on on youtube by youtube doing that they're effectively pushing people into the arms of rumble right this is actively happening and i mean i would encourage people to check it out like if if you haven't it's a good platform i mean it does have a long ways to go it's rough around the edges it's not a billion dollar company or a multi-billion dollar company like YouTube is owned by Google. But they, you know, the fact that they have values and they stand up for them is important. Right. And I mean, not to say that YouTube doesn't have values, but their values are, well, we get to decide what you can say on our platform and, and those are the rules. So if you don't like it, take a hike. Well, perhaps you should take a hike. Well, and it's also some of the creators that have shifted a lot of their focus towards it, like Russell Brand and like Glenn Greenwald and some of the some of the greats, you know, <laughs> like some of these great people. But like even some the greatest of the, people, they're the greatest, greatest people, the radical left is attacking them. <laughs> um, like uh, I, I remember uh, some of the creators on there, some of their live streams have hit like a million live viewers. Uh, which oh, is yeah. in, insane numbers. Like I know Steven Crowder on there. He's had uh, like for like debate watch parties and stuff like that. He'll have like a million people mm-hmm. watching in the early days. It would um, crash the platform. Yeah. I know and, and now they've innovated enough where it's not crashing the platform anymore. Yeah. Right. So it's a good thing. It's a good thing. We're seeing change. I mean, we're, we're seeing this may be the next iteration of the, the boycott or whatever, as they're calling it, right? You know, with the Bud Light thing happening, conservatives like kicking that to the curb, or um, oh, what were the other one? I mean, there 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 have been a few of them, but like this could be an opportunity for people who care about internet censorship and free speech to boycott YouTube, boycott Google, use a different search engine, right? Don't give them your attention, don't give their ads your attention because that's how they make money. So go somewhere else. Use Brave or DuckDuckGo to search, and and you know use rumble instead of YouTube. And there's something about that is like, you don't want to be funding your enemies. Exactly. Like at the end of the day, this is a lot of psychological warfare. It's, it's an information war. It's info wars. (laughs) (laughs) Turn the frogs gay. (laughs) But but like in reality, that's what this is. Right. And money goes a long way. Um, when, if you continue to use the platforms that are actively going against the values that you care about, um, you know, in, in a lot of ways, it's hard to like, you know, like I, I'm a YouTube premium member, but and I don't like the <gasps> stuff. I'm Kyle. sorry, but like YouTube still provides very valuable content where it's it makes sense to use it. But as these platforms like Rumble start to go and if they have if they start to it becomes my attention starts to shift from being like a YouTube consumer to a Rumble consumer. Like, I, I think we're moving in that direction where that very likely could be the case soon. Right? I just want them to be able to let me listen to video while my phone's off. Yeah. My screen's off. Just simple things like that. Like they get their technology, I'd totally move over. Rumble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rumble. Um, the other one, and for folks to know, we have a Rumble page. Please go subscribe them. And like we said at the beginning, and if we ever disappear. Yeah, as Joe there. said in the beginning, we had, we had problems with YouTube on the last episode. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but we're also, you know, Spotify and wherever at, wherever podcasts are. Yeah, follow are all our social media so not all of our stuff. But yeah. the, the other question, I think one that we haven't got to yet, 
is the larger question, which is, is this a coordinated attack because of what he said? Now, he said some very impactful things, such as this short clip from the Bill Maher's show, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> the COVID facts rant that's under internet narrative. Yep, yep, yep. And then we have everything from, you know, people saying the system's coming after the matrix attacking. So why would they attack? Well, it has to do with these major issues. And why would it be these major issues is, I think, a good open part of debate. Like, why would the system so want to cramp down on anyone who was COVID skeptical and on the left specifically? Out of respect for you and your show, <laughs> I've brought some facts. <laughs> would you... <laughs> I wouldn't have mentioned it. I'm English and you know that politeness is our fundamental religion. Um, yeah. <laughs> but they do pertain to this issue. So may I say something? Please, please, if they inconvenience you, I I, I'll stop saying them. The pandemic created at least 40 new far, big pharma billionaires. Pharmaceutical corporations like Moderna and Pfizer made $1,000 of profit every second from the COVID-19 <laughs> vaccine. More than wow. two thirds of Congress received campaign funding from pharmaceutical companies in the 2020 election. Pfizer chairman Albert Baller told Time magazine in July 2020 that his company was developing a COVID vaccine for the good of humanity, not for money. And of course, Pfizer made a hundred billion dollars okay. in profit right. in 2022. Right. And may I just mention that finally, and these are, this is also a fact, that you, the American public, funded the development of that. The German fund, public funded the BioNTech vaccine. When it came to the profits, they took the profits. When it came to the funding, you paid for the funding. All I'm querying is this, yes. is if you have right. an economic system in which pharmaceutical companies benefit hugely from medical emergencies, where a military industrial okay. complex benefits from war, where energy companies benefit from energy crises, you are going to These generate right. states of perpetual crisis, yes. where the interests of ordinary and, and, people well, yes, and, separate from the interests of the elite. And, yeah, wonder, gosh, I wonder. So perfect. I wonder why they're attacking him. I just don't know. I just have no idea. <laughs> so surprised. It's, How it, are they came out of nowhere? It's 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 all about influence. Who who are the big influencers um, right now that are kind of going against the narratives that are the control mechanisms? And Russell Brand has been one of the biggest ones in recent years. Like he's probably been one of the biggest purveyors of information that go against the current thing, whatever the current thing is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's like right up there with Joe Rogan and uh, and these alternative media sources in that regard. So it, it all the incentives line up for him needing to be attacked and to make polit political hit pieces, right? And, and that's how, like, it's it's not a conspiracy theory to the degree in which what you're saying is that there is an obvious economic incentive for Channel Four to take down a major competitor. There's a very clear, you know, incentive for people who don't like his politics to try to shut him up. The documentary itself admits it that the point is to punish him. And what better way to punish him than take away his way, way of earning income now that he's an online influencer. And so when they admit it to your face that this is what their aims are, you got to believe them, right? And then, and then you start saying like, okay, is this a repeating thing? And that's another accusation on the internet that this is a common way to do it. Well, you know, this did happen to Julian Assange not long after when he announced his, um, uh, well, not when he announced, when he released the uh, Chelsea Manning Iraq war video files, he was accused of rape by two women. And then this was actually, it went through a court process that never resolved itself and was thrown out by the Swedish courts in the long run. Um, so maybe what we could expect to see here is that this 
accusation doesn't go anywhere legally, but the damage is already done reputationally. Right. And we have another example that happened actually this week too. I didn't get as much press coverage. Tim Ballard, uh, the guy from Sound of Freedom is also being accused of sexual impropriety mm. when he was working for OUR, which stands for um, something Underground Railroad. Uh, Operation Underground Railroad. Uh, Operation Underground Railroad, right. So he's an ex-CIA, um, ex-Homeland Security. I say ex there, who knows. Uh, but <laughs> they say you never ex-CIA, but... He has nine books going back to 2012. I had no idea he was a published author going all the way back to 2012. And the rumor is that he's recently been floating the idea. And this is often pretty common for Senate campaigns. You kind of like create the buzz before you announce um, of Mitt Rom- of running for Mitt Romney's Senate seat, which Mitt Romney recently said he's thinking he's going to retire. So that happens. And then simultaneously, Vice News starts just pummeling with these stories on uh, his so-called uh, sexual accused sexual impropriety uh, before leaving his organization that he founded. Um, in this case, the accusation is that he, while on mission, meaning he was deployed out with what they call a jump team, uh, would suggest to some of the female uh, colleagues, volunteers, or contractors that they were um, that their undercover was being a husband-wife duo. And that there was like some innuendo built in. They never actually accuse him of having sex with any of these women or doing anything other than suggesting things, right? Playing house. Right. But no material evidence so far. Yeah. Right. Um, now, the, the, if, you, if you hear Operation Underground Railroad, they've said, we have a legal process we're going through. We can't talk about anything. But then the media is just like talking about this near constantly when there's no, nothing other than an accusation. So what are they doing? Right. Um, Generating clicks. Yes. Um, something I'd like to add, just kind of over-encompassing on all of these things, is because a lot of these things end up getting portrayed in the light of all these allegations are either true and there's no political hit piece that's going on, or all the allegations are false and there is a political hit piece that's going on. Either of those, like that puzzle could all fit together in any way like like the russell brand stuff or this tim ballard stuff here like it's it's true russell brand could have made some mistakes and this is still a political hit piece right sure (laughs) like like both of those can be true simultaneously it's also true that these could all be just fake and there there's nothing to it right um like i I think that's just like an important framework Mm -hmm. for people to kind of keep in mind in these areas is like because like humans are imperfect like russell's done been doing a lot of good things that i cheer on and i think that he's been incredible in these ways but it's very possible when he was drugged out and going through all his promiscuous past that he could have done some of the stuff that's being, even though some of the stuff is kind of, as we've talked about, or is kind of petty. Yeah, but, it's yeah. but I mean, the very serious things, I'm like, if he did it, that would be horrible and awful, and you should yeah. go to jail if they can prove it. But if they can't prove it, I, we, I don't know, what should we do as a social order? Yeah. Um, and, that, and, then the, and then, yeah, you're right. Like, it doesn't, there is a response by the tribe to say, well, Tim Ballard's one of my guys. He's yeah. a Republican. He's a Trump guy. So therefore, he must be innocent. This is just the Matrix attacking him. Well, no, he could actually have done this very thing. Mm-hmm. They could have material evidence. We just don't have it yet. So is it responsible for the press to talk about it? It's a different issue before there's any amount of material evidence because you're dragging someone's name through the mud that totally could be BS. I don't think that it's necessarily the problem that they're talking about. It. It's just how they're talking about it. They're applying so much certainty mm. and applying so much gravity and weight to one side of the story and not giving 
you know the the due to the other side of of saying these are just allegations at this right. point we don't know the truth and we will report the truth to you when we get it as we get it instead it's very editorialized and it's very very lopsided and i think that's the bigger issue mm-hmm. that's right yeah no so all concerns uh please resist the tribal implication the tribal motive to just say well he's my guy so he must be innocent maintain an open mind but then also don't fall into the trap of like well the press is attacking the guy that i don't like because he's in their other tribe so therefore he's yada 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 and i think a lot of people fell into that when it comes to like andrew tate for example or other people who have fallen into that into a past that um you know are now persona non grata on the internet or in influence culture or influence of the politics today because you're be careful of becoming that and letting your tribal instance take over because you're making yourself the tool of someone who not you right you're making yourself you're using the fact that they want to manipulate you and you're saying please manipulate me more you know um you want to manipulate me harder daddy yeah (laughs) don't want that well and and the andrew tate thing is important as well because like he became a incredibly influential figure especially in the minds of young men and he kind of was resisting the cultural phenomenon that was being placed on young men for a long period of time so like it makes sense in the same way with the russell brand thing it makes sense to try to hit him in whatever way you can and some of the things could be true some of the things could be false but the the important picture is that on a very high level he was very influential on the next generation because of of how how fast he blew up and and how much influence he held and also there's an element of there too is uh the bbc out also out of the uk was doing the same thing with like anonymous girls with actors coming up and and they did a whole documentary series also like it's the same it's it's the same strategy on the Mm. hippies right Mm. Um, I haven't seen the Andrew Tate one. They made a same like, yeah, mini doc. I'm on pretty Andrew sure Tate. her name was also Alice because it's like a fake name. Like right. they used the same. Oh uh, yeah, they used right? Nadia <laughs> yeah. twice. It was weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm. Nevertheless, quite suspicious. But just you know, yeah, keep your antenna up and and definitely don't jump to conclusions. But right. we we'll, we'll circle back and we'll you know we'll keep uh, our listeners and viewers updated on any new developments as we go through this because obviously Russell Brand is very culturally important. And uh, we want you guys to, to have the best scoop. Yeah. and But do leap to your closest grocery store. But pick yourself up some zesty beverage. That was so smooth. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by our friends at Zesty Beverages. They're on a mission to unf*** the standard American diet by crafting drinks with fewer calories and more nutrients from real food. Their lineup of delicious offerings now includes Electric Peak Yerba Mate, postbiotic sodas, keto-friendly, ready-to-drink margaritas, and hard teas. Wondering what a postbiotic soda is? Well, head on over to ZestyBev.com to learn more and find a retailer near you. Once again, check them out online at ZestyBev.com. That's Z-E-S-T-Y-B-E-V.com. So we got you in with all the salaciousness. Now we're going to turn into an equally salacious, equally interesting, equally fascinating, and controversial, $33 trillion of national debt. That was not what I thought you were going Woo! <laughs> How are we going to add some more this year? Everyone celebrate. No, we passed 33. I put. I even had 32 in the notes, but on like Thursday, we passed I'm not going to be impressed that we hit 50. Right. That's what I'm looking <laughs> for. Those are low yeah. numbers. These are amateur we, numbers. We, we, we need to get we, these numbers up. We need a $50 trillion party. Like, Do you guys remember happens. the episode where we just like looked at U.S. debt clock for like 20 minutes? We're like, we're like how do you find anything on here it's just so many it's like the matrix added so much do you remember that time in college when we did the u.s debt clock we we painted up 
two foot by four foot pieces of plywood with all the digits of the debt. Mm-hmm. And it was like 40 feet long or whatever. What was that? Like 14 trillion or 12? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God. I mean, that was a long time ago, but what? So, 10, 10 years ish, maybe yeah, a little more. Right. We've, we've doubled the national debt in a decade. What does that mean? Uh, what does it mean? Well, what it, are the consequences of that? It ain't good, man. It ain't well, and we're, we're going to get to the point here where just the interest on the debt is more than we can even take in. Like we're getting very close to that. That's like, the real vulnerability. That's the, that's the point of no return. Right. And then you start having as like, how valuable are things like our T bonds going to be? And like, that's where the real crash happens is when all that stuff's no longer valuable anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's not seen as valuable because it's always subjective on value. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause mm-hmm. like a lot of that's just like a bet on, a bet on is America going to keep being America and being the dominant force. And we're starting to see the pieces around where if we don't get this debt situation figured out, like it's going to be other, other roads to go down like bricks or something. Right. Right. Yeah. And and this is a, one of those, that process of undermining the dollar of the debt being a major problem for payment is one of those slow, slow and very quickly sort of situations, right? Where it happens every year, every year since 1997, We've been funding the government by pretty much saying, hey, what we did last year, we'll do the same thing, plus whatever we agreed to in passing laws in the meantime, plus inflation and cost of living adjustments. That's how we got here, right? Where we've been on automatic budgeting for a very, very long time, since 1997. Might be the right measurement. Think about 1997. Just picture it in your mind. What's the biggest smartphone in 1997? It was definitely Motorola. It, was, it had an antenna that like came up like this with the thing right. that flipped out. Right. What was the biggest <laughs> internet company in 1997? Was there one? Probably Nets.com, something like that. I, like, was, Nets, I, I was two years old, guys. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, what, a youngin'. what a youngin'. He's so young. I mean, to be fair, I was seven. So, oh, you know, man. you guys... Yes. How old so, were you, David? Tell us. How old was I? You would have been. You're ten I years old. Teenager. Than me, so, yeah. So the uh, <laughs> old as fuck. Yeah. That's how old. <laughs> um, less gray hair, more hair on my head. That's for sure. So, yeah, we've been doing this thing where we do this every year, and there's slight changes that happen in the meantime. Our current continuing resolution we're operating under was a compromise resolution between Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell. Democrats have already signed on to support another continuing resolution, right? So they have this rule. You get a certain amount of votes, uh, just short of, I think, 215 votes. Something automatically goes to the floor. So this is like the backstop to funding the government. Now, we are funded the government from the previous deal up to October of 2023. Take you back. So we took it back to 1997. It's been that long since Motorola was the top inter- uh, phone company and A America Online was how you got on the internet through dial-up. <laughs> that whole thing? Yes. That's how people got on the internet. That's how long it's been that our government's been completely broken in the budgeting process. We balanced the budget in the early 90s, and then by 1997, everything was passed by continuing resolution and has continued and only gotten worse uh, in the meantime. So the the taking you back to January is where to understand what's going on right now is the next most important thing. If you guys remember, we were talking about the speaker fight. We had these conservatives who said, Hey, we don't want to vote for speaker McCarthy because he hasn't been reliable on the America first agenda that we won't think are important in the Republican party today. And we have the backing of the grassroots and the grassroots said, yeah, you do right. The donor class inside DC, these guys look really bad. The media tried to make them look bad because it took, I don't, I don't remember how many 15 votes or something like that to get to choose a speaker. What it usually takes one. Um, 
And basically what the conservative said is like, hey, if you want to become speaker, McCarthy, it isn't enough for you just to be our biggest fundraiser. You actually have to be committed to a vision of how the Republican Party is going to reform spending and other things too, right? Pro-life stuff, border stuff, things like that. And so he was more than willing to talk about pro-life and border and all that kind of stuff. But he didn't want to do spending, right? And so this is where early where the fight happened, where it boiled down to is, are we going to go through the appropriate spending mechanism, which we talked about a little bit last time, which is 12 appropriation bills that are then passed that govern each of the functions of government, each of the committees. Uh, so each committee gets a chance to pass something rather than the current process where the speaker and the, and the uh, Senate and the white house get together in a clouded room. They smoke cigars and they say, we're going to spend 7 trillion this year. not 6.5. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to give this much to Ukraine, not that much to Ukraine. And like, there's no debate by the actual people on the floor. There's no amendments. They said, you know, you're the deal is we will vote for you, but only if you do this. And he said, yes. And then how many months gone by? Nine months went by, and this mother, this dude has yet to cast one, get one out into any committee and actually get to the floor. One appropriation bill out of 12. Nine months to do this. It's almost like he's a member of the blob uniparty <laughs> and lied when he said he would do things and, that he's never going to do. And now they're saying, we're going to, we're going to, we got to pass a CR now. Otherwise, the government shut down. And the conservatives are saying, like, no way. We cut a deal. Where's our deal? We got a couple weeks left. Let's see those bills. We'll stay here as long as it takes to see those bills. And calling his bluff. And then they tried to bring up a DOD limitation spending one, which was a big move. It was a big thing. But it included none of the Republican priorities, right? Such as reducing the total amount of money spent on Ukraine, stuff like that. Uh, ending things like the military. So one of the, one of the things that you have to understand is about the, the, the role of the House is the power of the purse, it's power to declare war and it's power to control the purse because they are the closest of the people when it comes to taxation. So the role of the House should be to say these are the priorities of the government because they're the ones who get elected every two years. So the closest to the passions of the people. The Senate should then be a filter on top of that and the president should be a filter on the Senate. The, uh, the way this is working is has worked is that the leaders of these groups get together and may make the plan and then they just shove it down their throat of the of a thousand five thousand page bill, you know, submitted the day before to continually resolute the funding future funding of the government or an omnibus so that's how we got to 32 trillion dollars of debt the the current budget is seven trillion spending we have about five trillion coming in two trillion on the credit card of the nation functionally the conservatives want to cut about 1.4 trillion so we don't run into this situation where we can no longer pay off our debt uh, we now have individual bills being voted on for appropriations, which is a good thing, like the DOD bill that was voted down twice, but it looks like they might be able to get to a compromise here today, maybe over the weekend, maybe on Monday. Uh, and then they got the other 11 to go. So these are good things. Now, what's going to happen? The, the Looking into the crystal ball, how are we going to predict what's going to happen in the future? Well, the, the most, at least one of the likely outcomes is that, you know, the, the House doesn't get their act together because they didn't give themselves enough time because, you know, McCarthy didn't do his word and there's a government shutdown and then there's an omnibus spending package coming out of the Senate goes to the house and then out to the government. So, um, so a 30,000 foot view of this, right? You've got a group of people in the house holding up bills on principle saying you need to keep your word because you said you would do something that needs to be done because if it's not done and we approach this point of no return on the, you know, the interest on the debt, 
we are we are in a very very bad place we're in a very bad place now but it's like we still have a chance to fix it yeah but eventually we won't have a way to fix it so perhaps something to think about if you're consuming any media around this on your own you know on the internet network television whatever and they start to demonize the people that are standing up saying no on principle they're going to shut down the government they start to fear monger though the national parks are going to be shut down and you're not going to be able to do this and you know the mail and the blah blah whatever think about the what happens if they don't stand up to this if we don't change course if we don't correct this problem it's going to be way way worse than a government shutdown it's going to be hyperinflation it's going to be weimar republic it's going to be a wheelbarrow full of cash to buy a loaf of bread if there's any bread to be bought like it could be pretty bad so Mm -hmm. think about that when when you start to see the media referring to these people as radicals and they're they're gonna you know shut down the government and cost all these jobs and crash the economy and this and that it's it's not it's not that simple and i i mean whether you agree with them or not, you know, Republican, Democrat, otherwise, they are doing something that is necessary to be done. Are they not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's one of the things too. That's all manipulation. They, they specifically choose things to cause pain for the average person in order to create pressure on the fiscal conservatives from getting reforms that they want. They leverage public opinion, shut down things that people use and like and need. Yeah. Not in the order things to, that they don't. Right. Like for example, the Pentagon has already declared that they're going to continue doing Ukraine spending even if there's a shutdown. How can they do that? But they have rulemaking authority. And the, the way the Congress has written the rules has given them that authority. They can also spend so trilli- they, tri- a trillion plus dollars make a building a jet that <laughs> crashes when it rains. Right, right. <laughs> so, like, that's one of those things. Like, the... I mean, Congress, right, right now, Zelensky's in D.C. And he's running around and he's doing all the meetings and he's doing the ceremonies and all that kind of stuff. He did this weird wreath-laying ceremony for the victims of 9-11, for example. But it's not the same reception it was last time, right? Last December, he came there. I was like, woo, yeah. And like this time, it's been very much more muted because generally people read the polls and the polls are is that people are sick and tired of this. They're seeing the corruption. The Nord Stream 2 pipeline story has made a huge difference, I think. Uh, and the other you know, components of this, that this is, this is not what it appears to be, not to mention the Biden corruption family and all that kind of stuff, um, has really undermined the confidence that the American people have that this is a just war, that what we're doing is the right thing. Um, and you know, this is, that's why Zelensky's not going to be talking in front of Congress now. He's going to be meeting behind closed doors with all the major leaders. Um, and he's not making any televised addresses. He's not doing hardly interview, interviews. So it's like you have this strange thing where he came to town again to get funded, but the whole funding is like questions like, are we going to fund the government at all? While the Pentagon says, we're going to fund you no matter what. We're going to not pay TSA agents. We're going to just make sure that money goes to Ukraine. We're not going to not do, you know, military retirement spending or VA. We're not going to make sure those things happen. We're going to make sure Ukraine gets their dollars. With all due respect, I care way more about funding the VA than the TSA. Yes. I, I would be okay with not funding the TSA. Yes. Just to be, just to be clear. Yeah, we should abolish the TSA. But, I mean, it's and, and privatize the security functions. Probably much more effective. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. The, the, the TSA, I mean, when people can't fly, they're pissed. Right. For or sure. when, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that's, Absolutely. that's why they do what they do anyways. So be aware that's going to be happening in the next two weeks. It's going to be fun. We're going to keep you try to keep you on top of it, even though it's the most sexy issue ever. It is the issue that undergirds our fiscal and I think social health. Right. I mean, the 
all this stuff is all related interest rates to the amount of money to how well you can purchase things to people's behavior moral behavior it's all it's all connected on a very deep psychological level and if people um, we can't make it any any more interesting than we've tried, I think. But the the news story of it is one of those things that just flies on the radar because it's so hard to track. What's a continuing resolution? All that kind of stuff. Very simple, you know, if you explain it. Hopefully, we've done a good job. All right. F-35B goes missing. You, you hinted at it. I did. This is such a crazy story, but it's it's kind of a... Uh, it's not a white pill. We're not ending on a white pill. We're ending on it's a, humorous though. Yeah. Isn't it? I mean, you have to, you have to laugh at some of this shit just to keep from crying. Right. I mean, <laughs> it's truly incredible. I mean, it really is. So what, what, what happened here, David, lay it out. All for right. Us. So they left of air force base, South Carolina. Uh, they went about a mile and the pilot ejected out of this airplane. For some reason, we've gotten both weather and some kind of critical malfunction. $100 million plane flies about 60 more miles and then crashes. The whole week, a lot of the week was like, what happened to this airplane? It was a big meme. It was very funny to watch. Because, um, like, you think of the US military, like, oh, yeah, yeah, most competent fighting force in the world, and they lose a jet inside their own country within miles of the base where it took off from like come on this is not where's waldo <laughs> this is an f-35 it's yeah. big and yeah. loud and when it crashes it makes a fireball does it not did it yeah, not you would assume so i don't know we don't <laughs> I think we a, have any video plume of, of smoke to see on the horizon there has been a lot of fake videos online so be aware of that um but yeah, okay one more thing the pilot's fine he crashed in a residential neighborhood with his his shoot deployed and all that kind of stuff uh he was in, went to a hospital stable condition he was fine um and you know several like some time went by before we finally got a clear like signal of this is what happened to the airplane with a eyewitness that cannot be missed you can check that out normally it's pretty quiet but on sunday afternoon i was in the uh in the bathroom taking a shave and i heard a, a screeching between a screech and a whistle. I said, what in the world is this? And I heard a boom in my whole house shook. White says he didn't realize it was a plane at the time, so he didn't call anybody. The first thought came to me, I said, must what's in a meteorite coming out of space or something? And I said, well, there's an airplane, it needed to be reported, but the thing was flying is too low. Yeah, that guy, he's he's hilarious. Do we have any memes that this has oh, been made so into? Can we, can we roll through a few of these? Someone put his 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 like the sound he made to uh James Brown jump around. Oh, I was thinking yeah. like uh, get up. <laughs> get, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, here, I, like, I don't have anything. The guy right went now, super so. viral at you that don't point. Have any, no, no, pl- play some. I want to want to see yeah. some funny shit. <laughs> well, I, I don't I don't have anything. I don't have anything. Play me some right. videos, monkey. No, I, just get on Twitter and pull some shit yeah, up. Well, let, let, me, let me let me find stuff. I don't have them up right. Put now. it on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean. So I, so it failed to engage tracking and it, it couldn't be tracked before. So it's a stealth jet before the, the pilot. Ejected. Yeah. One of the parts of it is it. Okay. Well, yeah, it can't be tracked because it's a stealth jet, right? You got to like turn a flip on to say, track me now. Right. Because the whole purpose of the jet is as passive well, stealth. Yeah. But, but shouldn't it be stealth to like the enemy, not to like the U S military? Shouldn't the U S military know where it is, well, but like not there's, there's probably theaters? benefits of satellite surveillance to be able to, or other kind of surveillance techniques to keep them from noting how we do our maneuvers when we're practicing it within the United States. It might make sense. Okay. Yeah. Uh, to keep the U S government from knowing. No, no, no. Keep 
surveillance on us by foreign adversaries, right? If China has a lower satellite, we don't want to be able to detect it if it's using radar going down. Well, right, but but like or other my cell phone has a GPS unit in it. Yeah. And the and the Apple can track me around or whomever. Yes. Yeah. GPS provider can track me wherever I go. Right. And that's like proprietary. That's like between me and the company, right? Mm-hmm. You're telling me the US government, the US military that spends trillions of dollars, has spent trillions of dollars on this jet, one of the most sophisticated, technological, expensive pieces of military equipment ever created that we know of can't be tracked by the u.s government while not being tracked by the enemy yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. the fuck is that <laughs> <laughs> there had to be no, I, mean, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised right because if you're going to try to build a stealth bomber what you'd want is something that you couldn't track <laughs> that's true there's a valid point right. there. I mean, like, <laughs> the point the point is it's stealth <laughs> <laughs> well is, is that not just a bomber people. stealth fighter that's the really incredible thing about the f-35 is that it's a it's meant to be something that it's you know passively stealthy um, and so radar can't detect it. That's their biggest way of detecting where something is in flight patterns. Right. Um, and then, you know, things like GPS and stuff like that, that's the thing you would turn on. Right. But you wouldn't want that on while you're doing your maneuvers and practice. So that's why it was off. And then before the guy ejected, if he ejected on purpose, <laughs> he didn't turn it on before that. Right. Oh, that's such a good point. Like the, 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 the stealth fighter did its job. It hid from us for, for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, right. That's why okay. it's so weird. Okay, it works. Good job, guys. It's, it's done well. But right. it did crash, so it didn't work yeah. that well. Well, think about it. If it was, if it was smart enough to, to fly for 60 miles on its own, starting at 1,000 feet, then, of course, landing at zero, um, and then uh, to keep in flight over that time, it literally can f- hover, Right, that's what the F thirty five B does. That's what makes it different from the other F thirty fives. Is that it's the um, it's the Marines version uh, that can literally take off like a helicopter up and down vertically. So why couldn't it? If it was smart, right? If it was as smart as we think it could make it. If it didn't, and it's not. It's it's recent, but it's actually twenty two years old. It's just taken twenty two years to make it (laughs) and to actually get it to be combat ready. As of I think twenty twenty is when it actually became combat ready, Um, or twenty eight nineteen something like that. So the um, seems like they've still got some bugs to work out. Yeah. Well, you think of the, like if, if the pilot ejects and there's nothing wrong with the vehicle, it could detect that and then stop and then like go down. They, yeah, didn't, or, they didn't expect that scenario to occur. Probably. Yeah. They, maybe. They, yeah. So now, now, now they know to put that into the next right. model. Yeah. <laughs> program that in. Yeah. <laughs> the next $1.7 trillion development program. They'll make sure to put that one in. Yeah. yeah. What's Joe Biden doing with the, with the airplane? Well, Joe told me to find memes. So I found a meme. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hit me. Hit me with a meme. I don't know. I couldn't listen to it. So I don't know how good it actually <laughs> is. I just I saw wanted, the video. I footage. wanted memes with the guy reacting oh. specifically. I, 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 I could there. I, there, yeah. I thought you were, I thought you were an internet native. I, I tried my best. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. At the end of such a momentous oh. event. Oh no. Okay, well, so. Thank you seems kind of inadequate. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so for those of you not watching on YouTube or Rumble or Spotify, uh, that's President Joe Biden leaving the podium with a jet superimposed above his head, but he doesn't know where to go, so he just kind of wanders around the stage aimlessly for like an excruciating <laughs> amount of time 
All Thank right. you, Kyle. I appreciate that. I, satisfied I, my, I, yeah, I hope, hopefully that was satisfied. Satisfied <laughs> yes. my thirst for memes. So ultimately, that's the question is, did it, did it eject because someone hacked it and it engaged its automatic shoot? Because well, that's, that's what one of the features of the F-35B is that it has an automatic parachute. An automatic eject ejection, button. yeah, and it's tied directly to the windshield wiper sensor. That when the rain hits the canopy, <laughs> the pilot. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. There's a lot of mystery here. We don't know what happened, but it is a very strange story. Um, it obviously it highlights a lot of the government mismanagement of uh, military contracts. Uh, F thirty five has been for a very long time been a controversial program. It's gone over budget tremendously. Price tag one point seven trillion dollars over twenty two years of development, and it and it's it and it's only functional according to a recent government accountability of report fifty percent of the time. Sorry, forty five percent of the time. No, fifty five percent of the time. It only works because of maintenance problems with the airplane. It is so fragile. It only works about fifty five percent of the time. Solid. Yeah. So anytime the it's called combat readiness, right? So if if at any given time there's an emergency, you need your F thirty five. Only about fifty five percent of the time is it ready to be able to. We're gonna be, be like, if it's not raining, we're gonna be so good. Like, we got the best equipment if it's not raining. I don't know. I, I, don't know. I, I, I think I'm very skeptical that it was weather. Although they have these things, these like downdraft things that are gonna be very dangerous for airplanes. But we've been detecting those for a very long time to prevent, you know, corporate or sorry, um, commercial airlines from hitting them. Yeah. So like the kind of like narrowly nasty downdrafts and stuff like that. So I gotta wonder what what it was, but. We have no idea and probably will never know because the government doesn't have to tell us. That's classified. Yeah. So the question is, why can't we build anything anymore? And we can't because the government's incompetent and that's because it can spend an endless amount of dollars and no one seems to care. That's why the spending fight matters. So go out there and tell your congressman. Yep. Well, on that cheerful note, I think it's about that time, fellas. Anything, uh, any final notes before we wrap? Follow us on Rumble. Follow us on Rumble. Or just everywhere. Yeah. Just go through and follow us everywhere. Except for, well, I mean, you can follow us on YouTube also, but you know what? No, no, like, still still follow us everywhere. (laughs) Like, you know, like, if you're a Spotify listener, just throw, throw, throw a follow on the, uh, on the little YouTube and the rumble and stuff, right? Yeah. And reviews and comments and all the, all the good stuff. We appreciate it all. We're needy. Please do all the things. And we'll keep bringing you news. Thanks, y'all. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Human Reaction. Help us fight internet censorship by liking, commenting, subscribing, following, and sharing the show with your friends. To find us around the internet, visit linktree.com slash human reaction pod. And remember, you're making yourself the tool of someone who, not you, right? You're making yourself, you're using the fact that they want to manipulate you and you're saying, please manipulate me more, you know? Manipulate me harder, daddy.